Good morning and welcome to this Football Digest Transfer Deadline Day live stream. I'm Joe Cooper. I'm joined by Andy Dunn, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Mirror and Alex Richards, Assistant Sports Editor of Mirror Online. It's been a mad old transfer window so far, hasn't it really? We've seen Cristiano Ronaldo obviously go back to Manchester United. We've seen Lionel Messi go to PSG. We might see Kylian Mbappe today go to Real Madrid uh, from PSG. If you haven't seen Elgin Grito TV's tic-tac clock of Kylian Mbappe, I do encourage you to go and see that because it is a very, very strange thing. Um, but of course, today is, today is deadline day. We might see some more things go through, but we're going to talk you through some of the things that have already happened, some of the things that may happen, and just the basket case really that is going on at Arsenal at the minute. And I think that that is probably a good place to start at Arsenal, Andy, where We've seen Williams ripped up £20 million worth of contract. We've seen Ainsley Maitland-Niles has asked to leave the club on Instagram. We may see, I mean, it's a decade to the day since we saw them panic on deadline day in mm -hmm. 2011 and Andre Santos and Per Mertesacker and Mikel Arteta all came in on deadline day. Some of those transfers are better than others, some of them worse. Um, but Andy, what is it about Arsenal? And, and we say it's been a decade, but why do they never really seem to learn? I don't know. There just seems to be a fundamental lack of cohesion in the in the recruitment departments and in their their sort of recruitment philosophy. I mean, you only have to look at the signings. You know, they spent a lot of money already on players. You, you're thinking, well, you, you know, Aaron Ramsdale is a classic. You know, really, I mean, is that what you really need? Um, and then you look at the field of team on Saturday um, that included, you know, Kalasnik, um, Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, players you know, who haven't kicked on. That's a defensive backline. You know, no wonder they got done for five. And it was five going on 10, going on 12. There just seems to be a lack of cohesion in their, in their recruitment ideas. I mean, they're all over the place at the moment. You know, the Ainsley Maitland-Niles thing, you know, I mean, it's Arsenal we're talking about, you know, and you've got a player taking to Instagram saying he just wants to go where he's wanted, you know, and then Arsenal, you know, they're going to keep him. They, they tell him, they apparently tell him he can go. Now they're telling him he can't. You know, we'll have a, we'll have a similar situation, I imagine, with Eddie Nketiah. You know, and it just seems to lack um, any any sort of, um, I don't know, you look around other clubs and, and you see a plan. You see a clear plan. You cl you see a clear strategy. And that's what Arsenal are lacking. And I expect, I expect no sort of strategy um, for the next, you know, 20 hours or so. Uh, Alexander's kind of mentioned it there, but Arsenal have, you know, spent quite a lot of money. Really. I think it's 130 million have spent, yeah. 30 million of that on a reserve keeper, which, you know, as, as you say, is... For a team that has spent that much money and yet still starts the season with Callum Chambers in defence, who, you know, over the years hasn't been good enough really for Arsenal, still starts with Cedric Suarez in defence, who really wasn't thought to be that first team player at Arsenal. Um, but Alex, what do you make of the problems there and, and why do you think that they just haven't learned really? I mean, as Andy says, it's just, it's just a farce, isn't it? You, you look at the, the defenders that were playing against City at the weekend. None of them are... Okay, you're missing Ben White and you're missing Gabriella are probably your first yeah. choice too. But none of those players you think are actually wanted there. If, if Mikel Arteta could get them out, he'd get rid of them. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, okay, you need a backup goalkeeper, but you need to spend 25 million on one when you can perhaps even loan someone like we did Matt Ryan back in January. Um, and when you need to strengthen in other areas. Um this is just this is Arsenal in a nutshell, though, isn't it? As you say, Joe, ten years we've been looking at them, and and ten years things have gradually declined. They're now working with Edu as the sporting director in charge of all transfers, and he's doing this very agent-led 
approach where he's he's been quite pally with Keir Jurabchin and, and lent on him to get players in like William, like David Luiz. This summer they've gone to, okay, we're going to buy youth. We're going to go all out on that. Well, that, that's not really improved the squad. They spent more money than anybody else in terms of transfer fees this summer. And yet they haven't improved their first team. If, if that's what you're doing, that, that's never going to work. And I think we've seen in the early season results that they aren't any further forward from being, quite frankly, a mid-table mess than they were last season. You mentioned William mm. there. Uh, the William one's a bit of a funny story because you don't often see players actually rip up their contract um, in the way that he's done, you know, to, to the tune of 20 million. After, I think he got two assists on his, on his first appearance for Arsenal and then since then, you know, it's, it's kind of been downhill, but the likes of Messi Ozil springs to mind, you, you can't, kind of hung on. Um, for as long as possible. But Andy, what do you make of that? Do you think it's kind of a noble decision to to rip up you know, his, his contract like that? Or do you think he just really wants out of Arsenal? We, we, you know, I haven't been in the business a long time. You do you do tend to become a little a little bit cynical and you do wonder if, if, if maybe some sort of agreement was reached. I mean, if not, it's incredibly low, noble just to, you know, because it's not like he's going to be on fortunes of Corinthians. You know, that's the thing. He's not going somewhere else where he's going to be on on the sort of money that he that he was on a, um, in the Premier League at, at Arsenal. So listen, if he has given up the contract um, and literally said to Arsenal, right, that's it. I, I, I think you know, I think it's it's well, it, it's a great gesture, you know. But having said that, you know, did he want? When I say did he want to hang around and just collect his money and not play? Well, we all know we all know plenty of those players in the Premier League, don't we? And we've seen them down the years many a time. Listen, the first thing the first thing is. It just does expose the folly of giving him that three-year deal in the first place. I mean, let's face it. You, you know, I mean, Alex mentioned the agents there, and the agent did a spectacularly good job in getting Willie on that three-year deal. Um, the agent also is a lot more um, maybe noble than we give agents credit for. If he's also said to Willie, and that's fine, you you give you you sort of um, um, give up those last two years of your contract. But yeah, hey, listen, it's it, you can't knock it. It is. It was a contract that it looked for all the world that they would be tied into paying a player who has not given them value for money, a lot of money over two years, and he said no. So fair play to him to go and play football. And listen, William is a good footballer. You know, I think he he was maligned last season, um, rightly so to a certain extent, because he, as you say, he had that spectacular start, and and then after that, it all went downhill. But he's he's never really caused any trouble, has he? And he seems to seems to be good. And this is a good gesture for him. Yes. Just just to touch on the the Maitland Niles thing with, with the Instagram post, Alex. Um, why do you think it is that Arsenal want, seem to want to keep a player there who you know obviously wants to be away? You know, to, to go on Instagram and say it suggests that he's already asked within the club, it would be a bit of a strange move if he you know hasn't spoke to the manager and then goes on Instagram and says it. So with all the issues going on, why do you think it is that Arsenal want to keep a player who firstly isn't playing and then secondly obviously doesn't want to be there? I think it just speaks to to the kind of mess of the the whole club. Um, you look at Granite Xhaka during the summer. Now, to all intents and purposes, Granite Xhaka was heading to Roma to play with Jose Mourinho. Um, he seemed likely to be getting that move before the Euros. After the Euros, he returned, and and it seemed like that was still a goer. And then suddenly they can't agree a fee, and then they're handing Granite Xhaka a new deal. Um, Hector Bellerin has been, they've been trying to find a, a buyer for Hector Bellerin for quite some time. And yet, in all that time, he effectively has remained as a de facto first choice right back because then they're not so set on 
on Maitland-Niles or Cedric or anyone else that they've tried at right back, Callum Chambers even. Um, so I think it just speaks to a club that really doesn't know what it's doing, quite frankly. But as Andy has touched up on, there doesn't ever seem to be that much of a plan. Now, Maitland-Niles, to his credit, he wants to go and play football. Uh, he, he's realised he's 24. He needs to be playing week in, week out. He had a taste of doing that at West Brom last season. Um, and I think he's realised that, you know, for the good of his career, it is time for him to go and play regularly in the Premier League. Everton are willing to offer him that and, and he's keen to go and work with Rafa Benitez. It's within Arsenal's rights to say, no, we don't want to sell a player who is under contract and, and, and who we may have some use for. But what use really are they going to have? Because he's not, he's not first choice at fullback. He's not first choice in, in the centre of midfield. Mikel Arteta let him go to West Brom on loan, so clearly he doesn't actually want him all that much. It, it's just an interesting situation where you kind of feel sorry for the player and you and you just think that I can understand why he's gone public and why he's trying to push that move, um, especially when you know we're so late in the window now. If, if we move on to, to Manchester United, Andy, Ronaldo mm. actually still hasn't been officially confirmed. You know, you'd expect that to happen today. Alex has just told me before we came on, actually, that Juventus have Maybe, confirmed yeah. us, so that will go through today. United, obviously, have put out the, the message a few days ago, but what, what do you make of the Ronaldo signing? Is it greater in its, like, star power than sort of impact, you think? I don't know, what do you make of it? Because Ronaldo's name at the age of 36 possibly is greater than you know his, his ability to impact the Premier League oh, oh it's a bit of both it's a bit of both it's a magnificent signing on, on, on both levels you, you know I, I, I wrote a comment for um, Sunday's paper you're saying it's a magnificent signing but it's an even better PR move you know it's an absolute masterstroke it's you know, you remember it wasn't well, you know what it was only I think it was only May wasn't it really when when you know fans were Invading Old Trafford, crashing through barriers, causing the game to be cancelled, and now they're crashing the, the club website looking for news of Ronaldo. It's as though, it's as, you know, the uprising never happened. What uprising was that? You know, the Glazers have pulled off an absolute beauty in getting Ronaldo. I was at Wolves at Molyneux on Sunday, and you know they were parading cardboard cutouts of Ronaldo. They were singing his name throughout throughout the whole thing. Also, they're watching the game. You looked and you thought, well, you know, is he really what they need? You know, it's it's quite quite obvious they need a a defensive midfielder, it would be the final piece in the jigsaw, really, for United and for Solskjaer. Um, but having said that, you know, Ronaldo will come and he'll score goals. He will, he will score goals. He will be effective. Yes, yes, he's, you know, he's, th- he's 10, 36. He, he's, he's, he's at that stage where you expect him to decline. But, you know, nowadays, there's no reason why that would be the case. I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing at the top level. Um, I think, as, as the Daily Mirror has alluded to, um, this morning, you know, until he's 40. I, I really wouldn't. He, he looks that fit, you know, I look, watching him in training with Portugal for their game ahead of Ireland. So it's great. I mean, it, 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 it's a great sign on that level. It looks, makes the squad look a little, t- a touch imbalanced, but if he, it, you know, it's a bit rich to say it's imbalanced in the sense that they've got so many good attacking options now. I guess you can't have too many good attacking options. So it's good on that point of view. On, 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 a, on a purely tactical level, on a purely balance of the squad level, it does look as though they are are lacking in protection for that back four. You know, they were extremely lucky to get away with the clean sheets, quite how they did it, I'm not sure, against Wolves. Um, they are vulnerable there. Um, that is clearly a, a position I, I suspected if you'd have said to Solskjaer, a world-class holding midfielder or Ronaldo, he would have had a decision to make. I'm not saying which way he would have gone, 
but I don't think it would have been the no-brainer that most people think maybe it would. But, you know, you're quibbling, really. What's not to like about Ronaldo playing for United in the Premier League? Alex, is he that good that he makes them a title contender? You know, they, they came second last year, but they, they weren't sort of anywhere near. And, and Chelsea have improved a lot. Liverpool have got back Van Dijk, which is the proverbial like, the new sign, and that's not a new signing, isn't it? Do you think that Ronaldo is good enough at the age of 36 to make Manchester United title contenders? I think regardless of whether he's good enough, the, the, the simple fact of the matter is they have to. Um, they have to win something now with, with him there. Um, whether it's the Premier League, the Champions League, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, the, there's so much being made of the fact that he hasn't won silverware. Um, yes, United, since he's taken over, have improved year on year. I don't think that can really be debated because they have. Um, but now they're, they're paying huge money to a 36-year-old, one of the game's greatest ever players. This firmly puts them in win-now mode. Um, the Glazers know what they're doing. They've been here before in, in, in American football. They took Tom Brady 12 months ago to lead the Buccaneers and, and he won the Super Bowl. So that paid for itself and, and that worked out. This, this is the same kind of situation with Ronaldo now. He's been signed to improve this team, to take them from second to first or to take them to, to European glory. But there's nothing else to it. If they don't win silverware, this season, huge questions are going to be asked of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and, and, you know, before they signed Ronaldo, obviously they brought in Rafa Varane, a serial winner who spent huge on Jadon Sancho, two high-quality additions that put them in contention. And I think that if, if they'd have stopped there and then perhaps they'd have finished second this season to a Liverpool, a Chelsea or, or a Man City, but they've been, say, three, four points off and that they've been progression again, I think that would have been good enough. I think with Ronaldo now there, that's not good enough anymore. They've got to win something. Um, whether he's the man to do that, whether he scores the, the big goals in the big games as he has done throughout his career, that will be crucial. Whether he just arrives and he scores 20 goals, but he keeps adding the gloss on three and four nil wins, you know, that's going to be a huge difference. Um, so I don't think it's as simple as can he, will he do it. It, it, it he's got to there's, there's no other way around it for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer United have to win something this season not quite got the aura of Cristiano Ronaldo but another uh, Manchester United possible transfer although it's an outgoing uh, that might happen today is Dan James for 30, 30 million pounds to Leeds Andy um, James actually mm. started the last game I think he started a couple of games this season so when I was yeah. so when I saw that he was linked with the move away given that he's been starting um, I was a little bit surprised but what do you make of that move first you think it's a good move for Leeds and, and what do you think about getting £30 million pounds for him? I, I, th- I think that's good money. I mean, I, I do think that's uh, good money. I saw him, um, as you say, he started a couple of games. Um, I think um, Solskjaer implied that Lingard might have had a chance. Um, the first uh, the game before last, had he not um, had um, COVID issues. I saw Dan James on on Sunday. He didn't have the best game, I have to say, against, against Wolves on Sunday. But then he wasn't alone there for Manchester United. I like him. You know, um, I don't think, I think it's a good move from his part. You know, I think he's realistic realistic enough to see the writing on the wall, you know, to see Ronaldo coming in, to see his opportunities are going to be limited, you know, when Rashford returns to fitness, you know, which won't be too long. And maybe also he's seen behind the scenes that maybe Lingard is, is, is going to stay and maybe might also be ahead of him. And he's looking at all those, those, those players ahead of him and thinking, you know, I need to be playing. And and good on him for that. I think it's a good move. I don't think it's 
it's quite worked out from United. Um, and I think United, you know, they, they, they have spent money and they are spending big money on Ronaldo's wages. They need to get some back, you know. Um, and I think Dan James for Leeds is, is good all round. It's one of those moves that you look at and you think, you know what, that makes sense really for all three parties involved, two clubs and the player. If James does go, Alex, it, it seems unlikely that Man United would let Jesse Lingard go as well, although stranger things have happened. But obviously he was so good at West Ham last year and really, you know, put himself back in the England question. Obviously he didn't quite make it, but he put himself back in the question. Lots of goals, lots of assists. That seemed like a good move all around as well. So do you think it would almost be a shame that if he was to stay at Man United this year, because when they have, you know, when they've got Ronaldo and they've got Rashford back, you would think that Lingard's opportunities at United uh, would be limited. I think it'd be a huge shame if Jesse Lingard stays at Manchester United. Um, I saw I saw a, a tweet from Sky Sports News uh, on Monday that, that said Man United happy to keep Jesse Lingard. Well, yeah, of course they are. That isn't the point here. The point is that Jesse Lingard shouldn't be happy to stay at Man United and, and be getting a couple of minutes here and a cup appearance there. We saw him him absolutely tear it up for West Ham last season. He was brilliant. He he was between February and early May, he was, he was arguably the, the best individual in the Premier League. Um, and he really, he really set the tone for West Ham and led by example as they finished in Euro- European places. He needs to be going and playing every week um, because he's got the talent and he's good enough too. I don't think it's as simple as if Dan James goes that, that Lingard has to stay because they play very different roles. And, and I think the, the simple fact of the matter with him is that he, he's vying for Bruno Fernandes' position. Um, and I think that you've also got Donny van der Beek, who we've rarely, rarely seen there, who can play in that same role, and that, that's where he prefers to play. So I think that you could, you could be in a situation where, okay, we all know Fernandes is a starter. You only need to keep one of those two to back him up effectively. Um, so which one can they get rid of? Which one would command a decent price at the moment? You look at United's attack and we've got players like Anthony Martial still there who can play out wide, can play through the middle. Yeah. I think I think there's still the thing that Lingard could go and, and I would hope for his sake that that he does, that, that somebody, probably West Ham, comes in today with a, with a decent move and that Jesse Lingard says, you know, I, I want to go and play regular first team football because I just see it as a waste, him just getting minimal minutes. Just looking through the comments, Andy, we're just going to throw it back to Arsenal quickly because we've got a comment from, yeah. from a guy called Dave Richardson who says that everybody agrees that Arteta doesn't know what he's doing. So, you know, among the fan base, um, that is, that's probably mostly true, isn't it? So so why do you think that he's still there? Why do you think they're persistent? Is it this kind of grand plan that they have with Arteta? Um, or do you think it's kind of, do you think it's over already? <laughs> You know, to a certain extent, he's still there because because early results were good. You know, um, you know they won. I mean, they won the FA Cup, and um, and Arteta, you know, pulled out some good results. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, he's, he's he's still there because they don't want to be seen. I guess they're Arsenal. They don't want to be seen as, you know, um, having got rid of Emery. They don't w- want to be seen as as a knee-jerk club. I guess um, Arteta was an appointment. Of a young manager with links to the club, so it had the look of a project about it, and that's what they want to do. Um, unfortunately, the project is turning sour, you know, and, and has been for some for some time now. Um, and 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 the bottom line, also from my point of view, when you're discussing this future, is that you know we, we've got to remember he is a rookie manager. You know, he is a manager who who is uh, you know has only ever been an assistant, and not only was he was he only well, I say only, and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful. 
but he was an assistant to Pep Guardiola. Now, that might sound, on the one hand, you might think, oh, well, you know, that's great. He's learning from the master. On the other hand, we all know that Pep is incredibly hands-on. In other words, you know, Pep does a lot of the stuff at, at, at Manchester City. You know, unlike, unlike maybe great managers of the past that have delegated, say Ferguson was probably a great delegator, Guardiola is hands-on. You know, now I'm, I'm not saying that Arteta only sort of put the cones out. That's not true. <laughs> However, Guardiola would have been day by day, you know, minute by minute on that train. So it was a risk anyway. But, but, but the bottom, in answer to the question, why is he still there? It's because, you know, they would lose a lot of face if they sacked him now. And they also, you know, they, they must believe in him and they must believe in the project. But, but the more you listen to Mikel Arteta at the moment, the more you don't see where their project is supposed to be heading. Alex, one of the, one of the big um, moves this summer really was from Romelu Lukaku to Chelsea. Seemed to be the, the you know the final piece of the jigsaw of a team that are already European champions. But they've been linked with a couple of other players as well. Obviously, we've seen Kurt Zuma go to to West Ham, and they've been linked with Jules Kounde from Sevilla as a replacement. Also, Sal Miguel's from Atletico Madrid. And um, Alex, do, do you think that do Chelsea need any more players? Is is getting Kounde and or Zuma is that just kind of looking at a shiny new player and thinking, you know, that's better because he's new. Um, you know, do Chelsea need anybody else? That, as I say, they're already European champions. Um, they were probably better than Liverpool for 11 v 11 for 45 minutes at Anfield at the weekend. So they already seem to be a very good team. Um, do they need any more gloss? I don't think so. No, I think I think they've got the players there that can can challenge for the title. Um, we saw last season, you know, winning the Champions League under Thomas Tuchel of how good they can be. And they've added Romelu Lukaku to that to really give them that focal point. You've got players like Kai Havertz growing and maturing. Um, Jules Koundé is a tough one. I can't see them getting him out of Sevilla this late. Um, Sevilla would need a couple of players themselves to to bring in. And and you're also looking at a team who, they always sell well, Sevilla. They always sell at decent prices. Um, and if they're saying that they only want a release clause, then... Chelsea are ultimately going to have to pay that if they really want him. How much do they need him? I don't think it's 80-odd million euros worth of, of need. Um, and they've also got Trevor Chalaber, who who's coming yeah. through and has done really well in the initial part of the season. So they might want to give him more minutes and keep a space for him to move into. Um, as, as for Sal Niguez, I think that he's a very good player. I don't really understand what's going on at Atletico Madrid, but they are happy for him to kind of go out on loan. Um, but whether Chelsea need him, perhaps that's the one area where they do lack a little bit of, of, of extra bodies, basically, and that's central midfield because they've got N'Golo Kante and we, we do see N'Golo Kante suffer these little niggling injuries at the moment. Got Macho Kovacic, who I think is excellent and was really good when he came on at Anfield the other day. Jorginho, of course. They let Billy Gilmore go to Norwich on loan. So perhaps there's a body there that they need, but you look at the attacking options they've got, they've also got Mason Mount who can play in that central midfield role. Now, he doesn't perhaps prefer to play that deep, but it's a role he can fill and it allows you to get someone like Christian Pulisic or Timo Werner into your starting lineup in games where they're going to dominate more. Um, so I don't think they need anyone. Um, I think as, as we look at Chelsea right now, they're, they're very much in contention for every trophy this season because we've got a very good manager and an outstanding team. Uh, I mentioned it quickly there, Andy, but I think... Uh, we saw maybe two of the title contenders for 45 minutes earlier at the weekend when it was 11 v 11 um, at Anfield of Liverpool v Chelsea. But uh, I guess we kind of expect a quiet day for Liverpool. They never quite have the money to throw around that, that the cities and, and, you know, the Chelsea's and United's do. Um, but, you know, I was speaking to Alex yesterday and we were saying that, you know, 
11 v 11 Liverpool are probably as good as anybody in the world, but maybe they do lack that little bit of depth. One player that they have been linked with is Yves Basuma from Brighton. Do you think that they could do with a little bit more in midfield, given that Wijnaldum's obviously left the club over the summer? Yes, yes, that, that is the one area. You, you know, you talk about 11 11 11 versus 11 in the Chelsea game. Had had it remained 11 versus 11, even, even if the penalty goes in and um, Reese James stays on, on the park, I would have fancied Chelsea to go on and win that game. In fact, they almost nicked it with 10. And where Liverpool lacked, you correct, is is there, is in, is in midfield. I mean, Harvey Elliott played and has played a couple of games and played very well. I mean, you know, I'll tell you how well he played is, is when Klopp was making substitutions. You expected Elliott's numbers to come up. It didn't. Um, and he played very well. John Henderson, I thought, struggled a little bit. Um you know, I'm not sure what, what's happening with Curtis Jones, you know, whether whether he's going to kick on. Um, I think I read some suggestions somewhere that, 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 that he might even be um, sent out on loan, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. I do think they they, they, they they are they are just a little bit lacking in maybe more so in terms of creativity, you know, in, in the centre of midfield. As I say, Elliot, you know, I mean, I mean, he's only, you know, he's only a teenager, so. He's very confident, you know, and you can see he's going to be a player. But, you know, for the entire season, for the title challenge, are you going to rely on him to be the creative spark in that midfield? I'm not sure you are. But I don't expect them to, to go and get anyone um, today. Um, they might surprise me. Um, but I do think that's where they, they might fall down, just in that, in that particular area. Just to finish on Alex, Man City's transfer window was a bit of a funny one, obviously started with £100 million on Jack Grealish. They had Harry Kane in the bag. They had Cristiano Ronaldo in the bag, got neither. Um, Gabriel Jesus is really their only recognised striker, but they play him on the wing and, and Ferran Torres up top. Um, do you think that the failure to get a striker could haunt them this season? I think it certainly could, but I think this is a City team that have a certain way of playing and, and you could argue the exact opposite that they they play this style of football and they play it so well that they don't actually need a guy that just stands in the penalty area and scores tappings because they have enough midfielders who arrive in the penalty box and, and score tappings and they spread the goals out um, let's be honest here Harry Kane wanted Man City Man City wanted Harry Kane Man City just didn't want Harry Kane that much they just, they just didn't want, want to pay what Daniel Levy was looking for in the end did they um the Ronaldo thing, you know, that will get bought up invariably if he scores against them this season. Um, again, the word coming out of there is that, okay, it's a great deal, we need a striker, but perhaps Pep Guardiola wasn't really that keen on, on a guy who, despite his great record and despite the fact he's been top scorer in Italy the last two seasons, doesn't really do kind of the, the other things Pep Guardiola likes his strikers to do. Um, for me... Ferran Torres has been outstanding start of the season. He come as a winger, in, but we're now seeing Alan Shearer did really well highlighting it on Match of the Day on Saturday night. But his little movements in the penalty area, proper proper two-yard little take a defender mm -hmm. here and then dip in behind him, the kind of things veteran strikers do. And it was really interesting seeing Shearer talk about that and how good Ferran Torres is doing it. So perhaps that's something that Pep sees as a project, getting him to be the kind of number nine he really likes. Um, and we also see Gabriel Jesus playing really well from the wing and, and he seems to not have a problem with that. He seems to just be happy to to play regularly and to get as many touches as possible. So I think there's a certain a certain kind of can Pep manage his players and keep them all happy. Uh, one thing I'm really interested to see is, is when Phil Foden returns, 
from injury, well, how does he fit into this City team now? Because Jack Grealish has taken his place on that left-hand side. Raheem Sterling can't get in the team at the moment. So where does Foden sit exactly? Are we, are we going to see him move back into midfield more? Or are we going to see him actually play as this central striker, possibly? I think that's intriguing. Certainly, there's options there. Um, it will be a stick that City get beaten with if they don't win the Premier League at the end of the season. That this this failure to sign a striker um, will have cost them. But until we get there, we just don't know. And, and I have to say that I think Pep Guardiola has enough money in the bank through his time in the Premier League and elsewhere that we all look at it and go, well, if, if Pep doesn't think they actually need one that much, you just have to take him at his word. The fact, I guess, I guess the fact that we're in five nil at home every game sort of like you know, <laughs> helps, help, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. With everything Alex said there about about those forward players, just just a just what a final word. And you know, Torres, Torres, Torres is a first choice striker for Spain now. You know, Jesus is a first choice striker for Brazil. Raheem Sterling is a first choice striker for England. You know, they may not play conventional central striking positions, but you know, these are all first choice strikers for major footballing countries. You know, and Pep Guardiola will now be thinking, you know what? Everyone's saying about I should have got a striker. Won't it be great if I yet again win the Premier League, you know, without a conventional centre forward? Because don't forget, Aguero didn't play much of a part last season. I guess the thing with City as well is, is that they've got that much money that if they do need one in January, they just got on bowing anyway, won't they? So I, I guess they've got yeah. that in the I, bank. Really, I, 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 I guess it's, it, it, it's his dream to win the Premier League with a squad of, you know, 25 midfielders. And I include the goalkeeper in that as well, by the way. <laughs> he'll, he'll probably play front in the end. And on that note, I think that's all oh, we've got just, time for. Just oh, maybe not. Cristiano Ronaldo has just been confirmed by Man United. Oh, has he? That's, oh, that's good go oh. Yeah, that is, that is definitely good time. I thought you were going to say the deal's collapsed then. Ronaldo has officially That's it, right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we, we will have more transfer deadline day um, yeah. live streams throughout the day. So please do keep an eye out. Alex, thanks for your time. Andy, thanks for your time. And as I say, we'll be here throughout the day. So please do keep an eye out.